Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore, James Cazina, and Jocelyn Gotto. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Here's today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. My name is Joss Gotto and I am here in the studio with Mike Gore. Hello, Joss. Hey, how are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, it's great to be here. Mike, this is the first episode back in our monthly release schedule, which we had a routine going of one episode a week, which I know some people are sad that we are stopping doing that, but we hope this gives you guys a monthly, powerful, all-in-one devotional uh, that you can listen to and, you know, I think a lot of us are quite digitally fatigued after months of lockdown and watching church online and zooming into work and all of those things. So to get us started for the month of October, this episode, we are going to be sharing three tips for intentional connection in a post-lockdown world. Yeah, I think that's actually a really important thing to talk about because one of the things that I know I sense and a lot of the team here at Open Doors feel is, I guess, a sense of anxiety or worry around what does post-lockdown I guess that's probably even a too stronger word these yeah, days. It's really yeah. just post-restriction world. Yeah. And there is a huge sense of social anxiety uh, around well, what does life look like, church anxiety, faith, spirituality, all of those kind of things. And so today I think is an important conversation to have. And I remember earlier this year, Joss, when people were just beginning to go into lockdown, it was an absolutely brand new concept for all of us. Yeah, it was crazy, hey? And the shift in our everyday rhythm was something new. Many of us found it scary. But at the same time, there kind of seemed to be this sense of excitement for the new opportunities it could bring. And and for me, I mean, I know that excitement, it took a few weeks to materialize, but <laughs> yeah. there was this point where you started to go, wow. Actually, this might be all right. That's right. Well, yeah. when I'm not driven by kid sport on the weekend for some parents out there, or when I'm not driven by all of the other things that used to fill my social calendar, mm. and more than that, I'm still doing okay we started to realize how fast we had really been moving in life. Yeah. And so it may have taken a few weeks, but there was this kind of moment where you went, wow, and something beautiful could actually happen from this. I still remember looking around our neighborhood and seeing so many families riding bikes, going for walks, out of an afternoon, even sitting on your driveway in chairs, yeah. but talking to neighbors because of social distancing. I mean, never for years and years and years have we done this. Or Anzac Day, Joss, can you remember yeah. the beauty of what emerged when we couldn't meet centrally? Yeah. So people would stand on their driveways at yeah. dawn. Yeah, or make and, craft. And, and make craft. Yeah. I remember hearing the last post ring out up our street at dawn on Anzac Day as a little neighbour played his trumpet. And it was imperfect, but it was beautiful. Yeah, that's so special. And so I think there was so much great stuff to capture in the middle of that period. But now we're facing an easing of those restrictions. All of a sudden, we've got fear on the opposite end of it going, well, actually, do I want to go back to life as yeah. it was? How do I adjust? How do to I life? do that? Yeah. And so today is an important episode. I mean, if I look around as well, can you remember how many people would post pictures of sourdough? <laughs> yeah, we did that. i got to admit it. We, we made lots of bread. Yeah, your husband's <laughs> a baker. That makes a lot of sense. But for us, even my wife started posting pictures of sourdough and you know, all of us kind of found these new opportunities, these new kind of hobbies mm. in this season. And so today we want to see what it's like to embrace the new opportunity uh, as we move forward. Churches were finding new ways of running their services online. There were countless Zoom calls, new podcasts being created, even contacting old friends. People we hadn't spoken to in years became something we started to think about. There was this keenness to embrace the new season of isolation and be intentional with the way we connected with others. But I'll be honest, I don't think 
I sense that atmosphere of excitement anymore, even across the local church. The novelty and newness of this strange season seems to have worn off. Churches are slowly beginning to go back in person, and even though we may be physically less isolated than we were before, I wonder if many of us feel more disconnected than before. Yeah, it is a really good question. And I, you know, remember thinking a couple of months ago, I'm quite an introverted person. So I, um, you know, I quite like going to the office and seeing people all day, but I also really love not seeing people and getting, you know, feeling refreshed after seeing people just Mm. in my own kind of company. Um, And actually even being worried during lockdown of like, how am I going to adjust back to, you know, any kind of normal social life after this, especially as a person who is quite happy just with a really small group of friends with really, you know, intimate kind of connections with the people that I know. Um, But how am I going to, you know, even to adjust back to church life, that seems a bit overwhelming to walk into a room of 200 people and, you know, you kind of know them all. You kind of (laughs) need to have conversations with lots of different people there. Um, I do wonder, like, have we actually lost some of our social skills? skills in the middle of being isolated from each other. I think you're right, Joss, but I'll tell you what, we've had enough talking about sourdough and all of those other (laughs) kind of things. How about you lead us off today with a powerful story from the persecuted church? Sure. Earlier this week, I read a story from a village in rural Ethiopia, and I thought we could share it to start this episode of the podcast. So this village is surrounded by trees and mountains, and it has a very active community, but it's also a very divided community. Most people who live in this village are Muslims uh, and there's a small group of Christians who live separated from the rest. There is a pastor called Pastor Silasi who had this idea. He wanted to build the best school in the area right on the church grounds. Now, considering that the locals had burnt down the church many times before that, this was actually a really dangerous dream to not only bring people into the church grounds, which in many ways had become a danger zone itself, but to also bring people together who would have otherwise been very isolated and even hostile towards each other was a really radical idea. But after two years and constant prayer and some help from our partners in the field, Pastor Silasi opened the school in 2018. Immediately it was filled with 180 kids from all sorts of religious backgrounds. One of the young students said, in the past, I could not worship outside because I feared Muslims, but now I feel like I can do anything freely. Isn't that just such a beautiful picture of people of all sorts of different backgrounds, Mm. once separated from each other, now freely coming together and learning how to love each other again. Uh, But not only that, they're also learning to love Jesus as well. You know, I think when we see someone face to face in person, They become really human to us, not some caricature uh, that we see as a name on a screen on social media, especially in our cases, Um, but we see them as they are. We see their intentions, we see their heart, and we see that they are made in the image of God and that they're not that different to us. They are human just like us. And I think for us today, as we slowly go back to interacting with others as we once did before, just like these children in Ethiopia, we actually need to learn how to actively love each other again. And I wonder for our listeners, maybe what does that look like for you now, Mike? Do you have any kind of ideas around that? That's a great question, Josh. So we've broken down three practical tips for intentional connection post restrictions. But before we get to those three tips today, we want to take a quick moment to tell you how we're helping people follow Jesus in the month of October. 
As a ministry, we've been helping people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost, for the past 65 years. But we can't do that without your help. Right now, millions of Christians across Africa have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. We're asking anyone able if you would consider giving to help strengthen the church during this difficult time. $50 could mentor a Christian who has received a microloan to start a small business. $150 could help train a minister living and sharing the gospel in a remote area. And $200 could deliver livestock to a persecuted Christian farmer in a secret country. Help the local church remain in communities that desperately need the light of Jesus. Visit opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz to give today. Now back to today's episode. All right, Josh, so let's dive right into tip number one, and that is to stay connected to the source. We know that we love because, well, he first loved us, and many times in the Bible it talks about the way Jesus was moved with compassion for people. In Matthew 20, for instance, it says, Jesus asked two blind men, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, well, Lord, let our eyes be opened. Scripture says, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately They received their sight and followed him. Then in Mark chapter 1, we also hear about a man with leprosy who came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Again, the scriptures report that Jesus moved with compassion, reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. I think it's important we're aware of moments in our own life where we feel moved with compassion for another person, when we feel empathetic, compassionate, emotional even. Mm. Jesus was moved with compassion, and more likely than not, he is still moving through compassion today. Josh, you'll know I've been saying a lot during this time. Be sure to encourage those around you, but here's the key. (laughs) When you encourage them, make sure it's specific. We often talk about the fact that value contribution and self-belief are linked. So, for instance, all of us listening here, you will often believe in yourself most when you know in your work, home, wherever it might be, where and how you add value. Yeah. And so my job, I guess, as the CEO of Open Doors is to walk around and say, hey, Joss, you did a great job with this in this way. Yeah. Too often we just say, hey, good job, and you move on. But, hey, it's when you tell someone specifically where they made a difference that they leave believing in themselves. And I think that kind of leadership technique is no different to a friendship technique. Yeah, yeah. In this moment of isolation or restriction, well, when someone sort of gets inadvertently placed on your heart or your mind, I encourage you, send them a text message and tell them what you love about them specifically because value contribution and self-belief are linked. And so I often do that for everyone listening. I'll reach out to people with a text message and say, hey, here's what I love about you. Thanks for being a great friend, praying for you today. If there's anything specific I can pray for, let me know. A really kind of simple process. Mm. It feels, to be honest, it felt weird and awkward the first time, the second time, but eventually it just becomes normal. And, and you know what? When I see friends, they will tell me how moved they are to just get a random text message to know, one, I'm praying for them, and two, that I'm kind of open enough to tell them what I love about them. Yeah, yeah. And so my hope is that's an encouragement to you today. Make encouragement specific. In fact, a lot of it reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 5 where it says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Joss, how many times is it that you read scriptures like that, but we always avoid it because of the awkwardness in sending that message? Yeah. 
But I want to tell people, embrace the awkwardness and and send people words of encouragement yeah. because I promise you they can be life-changing to people. We're called to be proactive in how we connect with those around us and more than that, to be intentional in encouraging one another and raising them up in what they've been called to do, no matter the season. Whether we're in the depths of lockdown or the new world, we find ourselves in after that. And perhaps, well, we could look like a well-thought-out handwritten letter even or an intentional phone call. Like I said before, I sometimes text message people because, to be honest, my handwriting looks like a five-year-old's. <laughs> Can't read it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel a text message is far easier. But however you choose to reach out to people, it all comes back to first remaining connected to the source that is Jesus because he still moved with compassion for those he loves. And remember, he is love. Yeah, I love that, Mike. And I love the encouragement of when, you know, something pops into your mind or a person pops into your mind to actually follow through on it. Because I truly believe that is how, you know, the Holy Spirit works and how Jesus works in, you know, so many different times you'll message someone or encourage them specifically. And it's exactly what they needed to hear. And I think, you know, we maybe don't put enough um, emphasis on how much our words can truly impact someone for the betterment of the gospel and for the betterment of their faith and their own walk with Jesus. Um, so it's no, it's in many ways, it's no small thing to send a text message mm. to somebody because you just don't know what emotion they're feeling in that moment, what they're, go- what they're, you know, specifically going through. And it really can be something that truly does give them a spring in their step and make them feel genuinely encouraged in their spirit. Moving on to tip two for intentional connection post lockdown is to go at walking pace. And you might've heard us talk about this kind of at the very beginning of COVID. Just before COVID hit, our good friend Ron Boyd McMillan came out to Australia, which seems like a lifetime ago that someone could possibly come from the UK to visit us. He is part of a team at Open Doors International and he spent time talking to us about Wang Min Dao. Josh, just sorry to interrupt. He is the best preacher the world has never heard of. He I really promise you. Is. <laughs> if we if restrictions ease, we will have him out. He's a listener to our podcast. So, Ron, we will get you back here whenever we can. But for those listening, I promise you, he is seriously one of the most incredible teachers of the gospel I have ever heard. He is. And I feel like some of the lessons that he taught us back in February, I think it was, were so poignant for what we have now, you know, since walked through that we had no idea was coming. Like we kind of knew about some virus that had been going around starting in China and starting to spread out a little bit. But at the time he was here, we had no idea about the year that we would be facing. And so these lessons and I guess different stories have really been such a source of encouragement for so many people over the last few months. Wang Min Dao is considered by many to be the greatest revivalist in the history of the church in China and largely responsible for the rapid growth of Christianity in China. At one point in his life, Wang Min Dao was sentenced to 25 years in prison and was offered a chance to go free. Long story short, he refused and he stayed in prison for a further 22 years or so. But when Ron first met him after his release, Wang Min Dao, who was in his 80s at the time, said to Ron, young man, how do you walk with God? And Ron proceeded to answer the question in all the kind of usual ways that I'm sure that we all would. Well, I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church. And Wang Min Dao interrupted him and said, no, wrong answer. To walk with God, you must go at walking pace. When Ron returned years later and asked Wang Min Dao, what do you mean when you say to walk with God, you must go at walking pace? Wang Min Dao replied, because God loves his garden. Sounds like a funny response, right? 
But Ron found himself thinking back through the book of Genesis, where God walked through the garden with Adam and Eve and realized what Wang Mindao was saying was that in the busyness of life, wouldn't it be tragic if instead of walking through the garden with God, we spent our lives running through the garden, driven by busyness rather than by taking the time to simply walk with him. And Mike, I think in this season during 2020, this statement can really apply to both our relationship with God and our relationship with the people around us. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if instead of taking the time to truly walk with those around us, we rush by, not taking the time to intentionally connect, especially after lockdown? But with everyone experiencing lockdown and the easing of restrictions in different ways, we must remind ourselves to be empathetic. Not all of us are walking at the same pace. And if walking with God requires us to walk at walking pace, let's apply that same intentionality to the way that we walk and care for those around us. Let's keep on championing each other. We need to learn to socialise again, be intentional about it, as strange as it sounds. In a post-lockdown world, let's be mindful of our friends and our family and those around us. We need to keep reminding ourselves to be connecting with others in a loving and God-honouring way. To walk with God, you must go at walking pace. So let's do the same as we consider the pace at which we need to walk with those around us. And our final tip for intentional connection post-lockdown is to resist regression. Trust, after my time with the persecuted church in Iraq, I often wondered to myself when I came back, which is a greater danger to my faith, ISIS or an iPhone? And our regular listeners have probably heard me say that a lot. I still, I've heard it many times and I find it challenging every time you say it. (laughs) Yeah, because to be honest... I see one of them sort of pushing people towards God. And in my life, one of them is definitely drawing me away from God. In our Western culture, it's a subtlety of distraction, in my view anyway, that suffocates our faith. Whereas the pressure of persecution, well, over the last 10 years, I've seen it bring faith to life. I'm sure I'm not the only one who finds that whenever they try to really focus on their morning devotionals with God, it becomes so easy to just check emails or social media first, or you find your mind wandering because of all of those things. So if our smartphones, Joss, in many ways are the cause of so much of the distraction in our lives, and we know that they impact our spiritual lives, Mm. well, how do they impact our social lives? Yeah, yeah. I remember a friend of mine asked me a question, Mike, picture yourself as a fly on the wall at in 20 years' time in a dinner party your children are attending. Mm. He said, what would they be doing that would let you know they got the best parts of you? That's a really powerful question. a really question. good question. Okay, so for all of I'm our listeners. I'm wondering what you said. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember, again, for all that listeners, again, the question is, picture yourself as the fly on a wall at a dinner party your children are attending in 20 years' time. They're not hosting it, they're attending it. And you're not there, you're just watching from a distance. And the question is, what would they be doing? So what are their actions that would let you know they got the best parts of you? And I remember as I sort of sat with that question, you kind of went to, well, I hope they turn up on time or maybe they would clean up the dishes afterwards or help the host sort of make sure everything was okay. Um, They would talk to people, I guess, at the table who weren't being talked to. But then I actually started to think and go, what would be the opposite of that? Like, well, what would frustrate me if I saw them? Then I started to think, well, you know what would really frustrate me? If they were just thumbing through their phone while others were talking. Mm. And then it dropped and dawned on me. I do exactly the same thing at home. Yeah, it's terrifying, isn't it? And in leadership, we often say things are caught, not taught. Mm. Okay, so the way you behave, 
the way you carry yourself around an office or lead others, it's caught, not taught. You can say, do it this way, but people will often see how you do it yeah. before the way you teach them to do it. Yeah. And I realise in that moment, I can often go home from work exhausted, tired, sit on the lounge, have the girls ask me a question, and I'll be sort of scrolling through something. Yeah. But really- And the other half there. Listening half there, and I'm thinking, that's more than likely what they're going to do at that dinner party. Yeah. So how now do I get in front of it to change that behavior? And so again, for all of us listening, even if that's your one takeaway, 20 years time, mm. fly on the wall, what would those around you be doing that let you know they got the best parts of you? Yeah. Because I think that's a really powerful question. Yeah. I think, you know, you touched on it earlier, but we know that um, our phones distract us spiritually. They distract us from God that they, you know, we're seeing more and more that they are having an impact on us socially. Mm -hmm. But then I also think uh, about the emotional side of that as well and how, you know, there's studies going going around at the moment that we actually use our phones and social media in the same way as, as people abuse alcohol. Mm. So it's a numbing effect that we have. So we get home, we're tired from a day, and but instead of going to open a bottle, we sit down on the couch oh, wow. and we thumb through our phones. And it's the same kind of neurological pathways that we create. And you think, man, that is so um, damaging for us personally, but it all impacts the spiritual, the social, the emotional. Mm. I feel like they, you can't just be impacted in one area of those and not in the other. Um, but it's so kind of haunting to think about the ways that we are ourselves um, not not processing emotion, not taking it to God, not um, talking to our friends about what we are going through because we're all just totally numbed by social media. And so how does this relate, I guess, to resist regression? Well, what I'm trying to say is that in this last sort of six-month period, we realise that when so much of our lives are stripped away, number one is that we're still going to be okay. Yeah. And number two, that the world seems more colourful, Joss. It's beautiful out, you know, to just go for a walk around your neighbourhood or to spend time with friends or to sit on a chair on your front lawn and just watch your kids play. Mm. Resist regression is all about saying, hey, as restrictions ease, really second guess what sort of behaviours you go back to. Yeah, yeah. Because there is an element of intense beauty in 2020. Mm. So many of us are saying, well, 2020, the year you want to wipe from history, the year you want to forget. Well, what if 2020 was the year that actually made you reset your priorities and look to the future as a different person? Yeah. Recalibrating the idea that, hey, the people around you in 20 years' time will catch what you do, not what you say. Yeah. This is our opportunity to make a difference, Mm. to recalibrate the direction to not regress to the way we had got life on top of us and driven by a social agenda, calendar, busyness, running instead of walking, and all of those things. So as a recap, make your messages meaningful. Mm. Specifically encourage people. Don't shy away from the awkwardness. Embrace it. Number two, remember, to walk with God, you must go at walking pace. Don't let busyness rule your life. And number three, resist the temptation to regress. Think about in 20 years' time, what will people be doing around you, the people you're called to lead, whether they're children, family members, or team members? What will they be doing that allows you to know they got the best parts of you? But that's all we've got time for this month on the Open Doors Live podcast. And remember, if you want to help the persecuted church this month by giving micro loans to those who have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, head to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you here next month. God bless.
Thanks for listening to Open Doors Live with your hosts, Mike Gore, Jocelyn Gotto, and James Kazina. We hope the life-changing lessons from the persecuted church help you follow Jesus no matter the cost. To find out more, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. I'm your producer, Bethany Ross, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast.